So it snowed yesterday in the New York tri-state region. It snowed. It snowed in New York City. It snowed in many areas in New York and New Jersey. And I know you know the Democrats will somehow figure out a way, forgetting the fact that this is like the opposite of global warming, but they actually link it because they call it climate change. This was a polar vortex which happened in the, in the middle of May. It's almost summer. And somehow what happened was a few years ago, the Democrats kept getting embarrassed because like Al Gore and the Democrat you know, climate activists, they would like hold these conferences about the weather and about global warming and it would be like 10 degrees below zero and on the day of the conference and the whole, everyone would make fun all the conservatives would make fun of them so they changed it to climate change so now whether it gets cold or warm they can still somehow blame the republicans and blame president trump because it's not global warming it's climate change so anything unusual any strange weather pattern now somehow relates uh, to Republicans and fossil fuels and the climate deniers. And what's amazing is, you know, Obama and the Democrats, they controlled the government for those years early on in Obama's presidency. They passed Obamacare, yet they didn't pass any major climate change legislation. And of course, Obama never would have crushed the economy with anything like the Green New Deal. You know, why, why, does, the, why does Obama never get blamed for being the president for eight years and yet no Green New Deal and now suddenly... Trump is the one who's a climate denier. Joe Biden running for president now. And has anybody, has anybody, you know, hit him on this? Anybody in the media asked him point blank, well, where were you for eight years as vice president doing virtually nothing other than the Paris Climate Accord, which, did, of course, did not have um, congressional approval? All right. So there's a bombshell story. Speaking of Obama, top Obama officials, it has now been revealed they knew that there was zero evidence of Trump-Russia collusion, yet that didn't stop them from going on cable news for a period of years during the Mueller probe and claiming that President Trump conspired with the Russians to meddle in the election, to help him uh, well weigh the election and beat Hillary. So these transcripts were just released last week of testimony before the House Intelligence Committees and these top Obama officials, while they were on CNN, some of them, discussing Trump-Russia collusion, they were testifying to Congress saying there was zero evidence that they had ever seen of Russia collusion. And how many times over the years did we tell you this, that there was not a shred of evidence uh, pointing to anyone in the Trump campaign colluding with Russia? And of course, finally, all these years later, that has been confirmed, and the Trump campaign has been exonerated. So James Clapper, of course, who's someone who cannot stand President Trump, said very nasty things about him. He was the director of national intelligence for most of Obama's presidency. And in July, in July 2017, James Clapper testified, quote, he never saw any direct empirical evidence of any member of the Trump campaign plotting or conspiring with the Russian government. That is a direct quote. He said, quote, I do not recall any instance where I had direct evidence of the content of these meetings. He was asked about meetings between the Trump campaign and Russia. It's just the frequency and prevalence of anecdotal evidence was of concern. That's There were 57 transcripts released on Thursday, and that was one of them. James Clapper saying, well, we had a lot of anecdotal evidence. You know, there were a lot of stories going around and rumors. So he told them, I do not recall any instance where I had direct evidence of the content of these meetings. Yet Clapper repeatedly appeared on CNN, cable news shows, and he actually accused Trump of Russia collusion. And in May of 2019, this is last year, one year ago, when the Mueller probe was winding down, the, the report had probably been released, I'm guessing, 
And Clapper said, quote, what was the Trump campaign doing at the same time, essentially aiding and abetting the Russians and having dozens of contacts with Russians, some of whom were connected officially to Russian intelligence and not reporting it? So Clapper, back in 2017, tells the House intel, trust me, he didn't see new intelligence since then. He had already been out of office. Trump had taken over. But... Um, in 2017, he tells Congress, I have, I did not see any direct evidence of meetings between the Trump campaign and Russia. And, and a, a year ago, after the Mueller probe exonerates Trump, he says Trump was aiding and abetting the Russians and having contacts with Russians. By the way, aiding and abetting, that would literally, if that were true, which it's, it's not, it's a lie, but if it were true... Um, that could actually be a crime. That would actually, President Trump and his campaign could be put into jail if they were really aiding and abetting the Russians, which is what Clapper claimed in 2019. Outrageous. Susan Rice, that was Obama's national security advisor. She's the one who unmasked the identity of Michael Flynn and of uh, other members of the Trump campaign who are on phone calls. She literally spied on the Trump campaign who were on phone calls with foreign officials that had been recorded by the NSA, Susan Rice testified in 2017 that she had not seen evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. She was questioned by Congressman Trey Gowdy, and he asked her, do you recall seeing any intelligence uh, prior to you separating from the government that indicated or suggested Donald Trump, per se, conspired with Russia to interfere or influence with the 2016 election? And she said, I don't recall intelligence that I would consider evidence to that effect um, Prior to my departure, then Gowdy followed up, followed up, was there something that you don't consider intelligence? Other form of evidence. And she said, not that I specifically recall. And then he said, what about using the words collude, conspire, coordinate? So Gowdy was trying to get her every which way because, you know, she was trying to hedge. And he said, what about the words collude, conspire, coordinate? And she said, no. She 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 uh, assured Gowdy that she had never seen evidence of Trump trying to collude, conspire, or coordinate um, with the Russians. And then she was asked if there was any evidence of this for the Trump campaign. That was about Trump per se, Trump campaign. And she said, potentially, potentially there's evidence about the Trump campaign. What is that supposed to mean? Ben Rhodes, Obama's deputy national security advisor, testified to Gowdy that he did not see evidence of collusion, coordination, or conspiracy between Trump and the Russian government. He said, I think I saw indications of potential coordination, but I did not see the specific evidence of the actions of the Trump campaign. So potential, that that's their way of they can say whatever they want. Well, I saw potential coordination. And no evidence of coordination. What did you see? I saw evidence of potential coordination. What is that supposed to mean? Laura L Loretta Lynch, of course, uh, Obama's former attorney general, the one who met with Bill Clinton on the tarmac, the one who exonerated Hillary Clinton, despite massive, massive evidence of, of Hillary, of the crimes Hillary committed with the email servers, she essentially said also that she had no information uh, indicating collusion with Russia. And yet CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post, they pushed the Russia collusion narrative for almost three years. Did you ever hear any of these officials who literally had seen things firsthand, whatever there was to see, and who actually testified about it. But of course, it was secret testimony, so we couldn't be told about that. They allowed this fake news narrative, this hoax, to go on for years, rip the country apart. Imagine if the country were more united. Imagine if there were no impeachment. Imagine how much better the response would have been to COVID-19. But putting all that aside, and they allowed it, and they were silent. They allowed Trump's name to be tarnished, destroyed by the media that they uh, benefited from at, at, at the expense of the entire country. All right, there is a new report, another bombshell, that the WHO actually conspired with China to cover up the pandemic. 
And after everything we know about the WHO spreading around false Chinese propaganda, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Of course, the WHO, the World Health Organization, they are denying it. They are the UN's uh, health organization, the WHO. No surprise there. So Der Spiegel, a German news outlet, published a report this weekend saying that uh, Chinese President Xi, Xi Jinping, actually had a phone call with WHO Director General, I'll try it, Tedros Ghebreyesus, or however you pronounce his name. Man, I mean, between the two of them, between Xi Jinping, I, I get Xi Jinping correct, so give me credit for that at least, Tedros, I'll just call him Tedros, WHO. I think that's his last name because I think it's another one of these Asian deals. So uh, they actually had a phone call allegedly in January where they discussed covering up the pandemic. So this is actually being reported by Der Spiegel, the German news outlet, that Germany's federal intelligence service. I, I so believe this story right now until proven otherwise. I mean, you know, you know, again, because we know about China's reputation and because the WHO was literally putting out tweets saying no evidence of human to human transmission. And this thing, this was weeks in to the cover up. China knew exactly what was going on. They were threatening their own doctors who were whistleblowers. And some of them ended up with devastating consequences. But um, Germany's intel service, like Germany's CIA, has found evidence of a phone call in January between Xi and Tedros, and China urged the WHO to delay a warning to the world about the coronavirus outbreak. They say that uh, they had a phone call on January 21st, and uh, President Xi asked WHO to hold back information about human-to-human transmission and to delay a pandemic warning. Now, that's what ended up happening, right? WHO did not announce it, and uh, they denied human-to-human transmission. So the only question is, did this phone call take place? Was this actually a conspiracy? WHO, of course, uh, issued a statement denying the article, saying that Dr. Tedros and President Xi did not speak on January 21st and that they have never spoken by phone. And WHO says such inaccurate reports distract from the WHO and the world's efforts to end the COVID-19 pandemic. All right, now suddenly they're worried about uh, solving the crisis here and dealing with the crisis, and they don't want these reports. They don't care about the fact that it's defaming their name. They don't care about the fact that these reports are coming out about their corruption, their negligence, their role in the cover-up. That's not what they're worried. They're worried about their inability, the distraction where can't deal with the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, how about the distraction when they were tweeting false information and lies about this pandemic. Meanwhile, Congressman Michael McCall of Texas, um, the ranking member on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, he's been very outspoken against China. In fact, he's the chairman of the new China task force in the House that was assembled by Kevin McCarthy. He said, quote, we are still working to confirm this reporting, but if it turns out to be true, it's further proof Director General Tedros conspired with the Chinese Communist Party in their cover-up, and he is not fit to lead the WHO. We know that President Trump has withheld all funding from the WHO for I don't know how long, 60 days or something like that, while this is being investigated and Republicans have urged the, the this Tedros to step down, but he's refused to do so. Um, Republicans in Congress have been threatening to sanction Jordan. They actually sent a letter to the Jordanian ambassador threatening to sanction Jordan because Jordan refuses to extradite one of the most wanted terrorists on the planet. This evil, vicious monster, this woman who was the terrorist mastermind behind the bombing in 2001 of the Sabaro pizza store uh, in Yerushalayim, in Jerusalem. And this is like unbelievable. Number one, the United States gives $1.7 billion in U.S. funding in, in, in funding to Jordan every year. Can you explain that to me? 
billion dollars. They won't give Trump that money to build his wall, right? He wanted a few billion dollars, but but, but they give Jordan $1.7 billion. Jordan, and, and here Jordan, even if they weren't extraditing this terrorist, what what, what good does Jordan do? What's, what are we giving them that money? What, 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 what do they benefit? Probably bribing them, you know, to help thwart terror attacks that come from Jordan against Israel would be my guess, but it's it's totally outrageous. It's like blackmail. But um, a letter initiated by Congressman Greg Stube of Florida and signed by a bunch of Republicans is pressuring Jordan to extradite Alam al-Tamimi, the mastermind behind the bombing of the Sabaro. It killed 15 people, Rahman al-Litzlan, and it injured, I believe, over 60 others, something like 67. I mean, this was a devastating, devastating attack. And it did kill two Americans, left a third American in a vegetative state um, to this day, which is just horrific, unspeakable. Hashem Yimkaim Demehem. So the United States has been trying to get Al-Tamimi extradited for years. What happened was uh, Israel actually sentenced her to life in prison, but then uh, she was released to Jordan in a prisoner exchange back in 2011. And this is just so, so disturbing and here's the question. The reason now the, the, the reason this is happening now is because they're threatening to sanction Jordan. But they've actually, the State Department has not been allowed, there was only a law recently p- passed allowing the State Department to leverage aid to demand extradition. So basically, until recently, this law was until this law was passed, the State Department was not allowed to threaten to withhold funding in return for extraditing terrorists. That was not allowed. That's only allowed recently. So they're they're threatening to do just that, to withhold this funding. They haven't been allowed to do that until now. But the question is this, why has Congress not withheld the funding? The State Department has not been allowed to until recently, but Congress is the one who passes the legislation to continue to fund this money, $1.7 billion to Jordan every single year. So why has Congress not said, listen, we are withholding the funding. Remember, it took years for the Taylor Force Act, where they finally defunded the Palestinians um, for all their terror attacks and their pay-to-slay program against the Israelis. But uh, why has Congress not acted? I mean, it's just totally, totally outrageous. And by the way, this woman, Al-Tamimi, she's become a celebrity in Jordan. I mean, can you believe that? And they're still they're still refusing to extradite her. And, and this money better be withheld. We'll keep an eye. President Obama has blasted President Trump's handling of the pandemic. Unbelievable. We finally hear from President Obama. This was a phone call, but somehow it was it was a private phone call, but it was with like 3,000 people. It was former members of the Obama administration that Obama had a phone call with. So, of course, you, you know that uh, information is going to leak out about this call. And I believe there's even a recording going around somewhere, a part of this call. But Obama, on this call, he blasted President Trump's handling of the pandemic as an absolute chaotic Disaster. Oh, really? And on the same call, Obama discussed the DOJ dropping its case against Michael Flynn last week. And he said that he's get this. Obama said he's worried that the basic understanding of rule of law is at risk. This is what Obama told his former officials about the Michael Flynn exoneration. The he's worried the basic understanding of rule of law is at risk. Trump, he doesn't understand the rule of law. Attorney General Barr, he's just Trump's personal attorney. I mean, no, they they finally, for the first time, this swamp in Washington is starting to actually carry out the rule of law. The swamp is being drained and being replaced by people who are carrying out the rule of law. You're the one who doesn't understand the rule of law. Your DOJ is the one. I mean, you talk about James Comey and basically entrapping Michael Flynn. And you think about setting the stage. I don't want to rehash this all, but here, Michael Flynn, he was a former Obama 
White House staffer. Are you aware that he's a former Obama advisor? And now he's working for Trump, and he gets this call. He figures, listen, he's the national security advisor, brand new administration. He figures the odds are he can speak to the FBI without them tr- literally trying to, to set a perjury trap for him. Meanwhile, they knew that they had a recording of the phone call because it was unmasked by the aforementioned Susan Rice or somebody in the Obama administration. So they have a, a recording of him. They don't let him know that. So they act as though they want to find that information. It turns out they just want to trap him because they already have the information. And they walk into his office. No, you don't need a lawyer. They don't bother to tell him that it's a lie, to, that it's a crime to lie to federal investigators because they tell him that, then that'll get his antenna up. And of course, they're trying to get him to lie. That's what that's what the messages sent between that were sent between uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok and others that we've recently discovered. So they actually basically say to him, and this is Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok, two uh, Hillary supporters who detest President Trump, uh, but no, that wasn't known at the time, of course, because we didn't have access to their private text like we do now. And they basically are telling him, listen, we're doing this investigation. We want to know about Russia meddling in the election. You had contact with Russian officials, so we think we should speak to you, basically making it sound as though he's going to give, be a source of information to them. Do I need a lawyer? No, you don't need a lawyer. This is friendly. I'm sure they told him he wasn't the subject and wasn't the target and all, all, all sorts of other buzz phrases, buzzwords. And then, boom, they get in there and they ask him about a conversation. They already knew the answers to the questions. This is, again, even if you believe that he lied, which there's no recording of the conversation, it's only based on the FBI's notes. And by the way, Andrew McCabe... He walked out of that, and he originally said, you know what, I don't think Michael Flynn lied to us, but then he uh, suspiciously changed his story. What's that all about? So, I mean, literally, like, getting him to think this Michael Flynn, this innocent Michael Flynn, and, and if he lied, he lied. But he, by the way, even if he lied, you know, he, it, it's none of their business. If he discussed, he's the incoming national security advisor. These are state secrets uh, involving, you know, dealings with foreign officials, and they have no right to that information. So I would expect the national security advisor, at the very least, to be very suspicious and to just not open up about private conversations he had with the Russian ambassador. Because who are they? Who's Andrew McCabe and Peter Strzok to be told such sensitive high-level classified information. But anyway, the point is that they literally lulled him into thinking, yeah, we're going to be our source of information. And then, boom, they pounce on him. You lied. And they leaked it to the media, of course, which they had no right to do. But Andrew McCabe is very good at leaking things to the media. Anyway, so, but but it's Obama's worry that Trump has the is risking the basic understanding of the rule of law. So uh, Obama, by the way, here's what he said. He said, quote, We're fighting against long-term trends in which being selfish, being tribal, being divided, and seeing others as an enemy, that has become a stronger impulse in American life. It's part of the reason why the response to this global crisis has been so anemic and spotty. It's been an absolute chaotic disaster when that mindset of what's in it for me and forget everybody else, that mindset is operationalized in our government. End quote. That's Obama. Isn't Obama guilty of all those things, being selfish, being tribal, being divided, seeing others as an enemy? Do you know how Obama marginalized conservatives and Republicans? How about IRS gate? I mean, uh, there were so many. How about Fast and Furious, where Eric Holder was literally, he was held in contempt of Congress. This is an attorney general because he refused to turn over documents that could have possibly been incriminating to him because they allowed guns, they allowed all sorts of dangerous weapons to literally get in the hands of drug cartels. That happened under Obama, under Eric Holder. They were aware of it. It, 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 it wasn't even negligence. It was like part of the plan. Then they were supposed to catch them. They, they were totally not transparent about this, and then they lost track of them, and those guns were used to kill, to, 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 to mur- as a murder weapon by drug cartels, the guns that were in the hands of the federal government under Eric Holder. I mean, on and on with Benghazi and IRS gate, and, of course, Obama allowed ISIS and radical Islam to run rampant. And Obama, he rammed Obamacare 
down the throat of the country. The country, the country did not want Obamacare, the so the socialist program, which has done a, been disastrous for many many people for the healthcare system in the United States. But 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 Trump is the one who's selfish and tribal and divided. Obama was as divided as they come. He was such a divider. And I mean, Obama, you know, he built up radical Islam. He apologized for the United States being tough on radical Islam after 9-11. He uh, allowed Iran to become this massive state sponsor of terror, carry out terror attacks all around the world, including against Americans. I mean, a massive food stamp surge, massive surge in poor people under Obama. He destroyed the economy. I mean, he didn't destroy the economy because it was already in bad shape, but you know, he stagnated the economy with all of his programs, which crushed businesses. I can go on and on. But um, And of course, not to mention Obama's extremely corrupt DOJ and FBI. And, 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 and we know we know all about it. And now we're finally discovering if Hillary become president, we wouldn't know a thing about it. That was the plan, that they figured Hillary's going to win $100 million to, to, to nothing. So this is never going to see the light of day, this massive corruption, the FISA abuses, spying on an opposing campaign, and, uh, you know, of course, the phony steel dossier and everything else. That was never supposed to surface. All that was supposed to stay buried and hidden, and that would have happened if Hillary had not lost the election to President Trump. You know, but, um, but, 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 but Trump is the one at fault. I mean, it's unbelievable. Meanwhile, Lindsey Graham responded to Obama. He said, quote, President Obama, do you know what compromised the rule of law, hiding evidence from a court, altering emails, trying to manufacture a crime versus investigating a crime? End quote. So that's what's so well said by Lindsey Graham, who has become such a staunch, outspoken supporter of Trump. But uh, that's what he said. Obama's complaining about how Trump is ruining the rule of law, compromising the rule of law. It's all Obama. And maybe eventually there is one Republican congressman who's urging John Durham, who's basically begging John Durham to please hurry it up already. Give us the indictment, something. We'll get to that in a moment. Meanwhile, a new poll. This is a slight concern. Joe Biden has opened up a nine-point lead over President Trump in six battleground states. This poll from Heart Research Associates has Biden at 50%, Trump at 41% in Arizona, Colorado, Iowa, Maine, Montana, North Carolina. And I don't know if these are individual polls or this was like a total because he's not winning 50 to 41 in each of the six states. What are the odds of that? So maybe they just averaged it out. I don't know. But either way, certainly is a concern. Trump won four of these states. He didn't win Maine and Colorado, but he won Arizona, Iowa, Montana, and North Carolina. So this is important. Biden has a very significant lead. Now, I'll explain in a minute why maybe we don't need to be concerned, although I certainly am concerned. The poll also shows that some Republican senators are in danger of losing their seats in these states. So that's certainly a big concern because the Republicans have a margin of, what, 53 to 47, a very close margin there in the Senate. And there are a lot of Republican seats up for reelection in November. So certainly a big concern. We have to you know, start keeping more of an eye on this of, of, of the House and the Senate and what the odds are in either direction when you love to retake the House and the Senate. Will there be another impeachment if the Democrats hang on to the House? Who knows? The poll, poll also found broad support for voting by mail. So even a lot of Republican voters are in favor of voting by mail. 85% of voters in the six battleground states say there should be a mail option because of the pandemic. Now, to that, I would just say, you know, yeah, people, what are they going to say? Well, I want voting by mail. 
why not? This is my problem with a lot of these polls is you have to give them the explanation of why not. If something like sounds good, you know, it's like there's a lot of things like Democrat programs where they'll say, well, are, are you in favor of programs, you know, that help the poor and that help senior citizens? Are you in favor of expanding, you know, certain programs, Medicaid or whatnot, Social Security? And it's like, well, OK, yeah, I'm in favor. You know, are you in favor of free money being given out by the government? Sure. Well, oh, wait a second. It's going to cost the taxpayers billions of dollars bankrupt the country they, they don't ask it that way they just ask it as though it's like a no-brainer like yeah i'm interested in mail voting because mail and voting because why not there's a pandemic who wants to go to the polls right well actually that could lead to massive massive fraud and if you're a republican then it's very possible the democrats are going to have like deceased people voting by mail people that are unqualified to vote by mail illegals who knows what and um or people stuffing the ballots and voting like five or six times the same person. Well, they, you didn't ask it that way. You just said in my favor of mail-in voting. And of course I am because there's a pandemic. you got, got to be nuts not to be. So that's my problem with that. But in terms of, you know, uh, Biden beating Trump by this significant margin, look, we, we know consistently the polls have always shown, in almost every poll, with rare exceptions, have, all, have, have usually shown whichever Democrat candidate could be generic. It could even be even Biden, uh, even Joe Biden, with all of his blunders and all of his weaknesses and all the scandals, by the way. Uh, even he beats Trump consistently in a lot of the polls. And number one, President Trump never polls well. He just, he just never, ever polls well. Look what happened with Hillary in 2016. And there might be several reasons for that. I'm, I'm told by many people, many listeners, that you know so, some sometimes the pollster will actually just hang up on them if they say they're pro-Trump. I've actually heard this from, not not many, but I've heard this from from some listeners, at least one, but what I've heard from many listeners is that people are afraid, they speak to people who are afraid to publicly reveal. So if somebody stranger calls them up and says, are you a Trump supporter? They're actually reluctant. They don't know who's on the other end. They don't know if they have their private information. They don't know what kind of uh, revenge somebody will take on them. Now, it's unlikely, yeah, but uh, people are, maybe it's irrational, maybe it's rational, I don't know. It definitely doesn't seem so paranoid to me. Some stranger's calling you. What do you benefit by telling them you're a Trump supporter or your personal you know, opinion about politics when it's so controversial? You have family members disowning their siblings, their relatives, uh, because they're Trump supporters. I mean, people are really, really irrational about this stuff. Anyway, but so there might be a lot of explanations. But the fact now, in addition to that, of course, a lot of people are not engaged right now. So they know all the negatives about Trump because they've been hearing it for years about, you know, being brainwashed by the media. But they don't they haven't heard about all the Biden scandals because the media buries those things and covers those things up. So eventually, maybe it'll come out to a lot of people, but not yet for a lot of voters. So who knows? But Trump, look, he clearly does not poll well. Now, am I going to say, all right, let's just discount the polls because Trump doesn't poll well. So we don't have to worry. We can ignore the polls. Not a good idea. Um a top Republican, as I said, he wants John Durham to hurry things up. Yes, thank you. Hurry it up. How long do we have to? Why do we always have to wait? The Mueller probe. All right, well, they had to wait for a while, but they got Bob Mueller uh, appointed very, very early on in Trump's presidency. And, and of course, things leaked out to the media all the time. You know, but Republican investigations, nothing ever leaks out. You ever notice that? Either way, so this is Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise, very high profile. He's the minority whip. And he's been a staunch Trump supporter. And he says that John Durham, his report or his investigation or whatever he ends up doing, indictments, let's hope, they have to happen before November, he says, because voters need to know. Because he, he says it's, it's relevant. Not only is it relevant 
to voting in favor of Trump, but it's it's relevant in terms of voting against Joe Biden because John Durham may be discovering all sorts of dirt about the Obama-Biden administration. And people are going to have to know that because Joe Biden is the presumptive nominee. Steve Scalise says people have a right to know the extent of misconduct in the Obama administration before they go to the polls. And particularly because, for all we know, Joe Biden may have been privy to all the corruption, all the FBI, FISA abuse, Spygate, everything they did investigating President Trump. Joe Biden may have been very involved in a lot of that stuff. So, you know, John Durham may uncover connections between Joe Biden. Who knows? Maybe some of his his own staff, you know, maybe some of his advisors. Scalise said Joe Biden has serious questions to answer. He absolutely does. So that's a very big deal. Again, John Durham, please, we're begging you. You know, I'll give you another few weeks, but please make this thing happen soon. Who knows? I mean, they just, it's so painful. They take forever. Governor Andrew Cuomo, we've already told you about this, but more details are coming out in terms of he's being heavily criticized and in terms of the uh, his mishandling, his egregious mishandling of nursing homes, um, where he basically, his administration, Cuomo in New York State, forced nursing homes to accept recovering COVID-19 patients, forced them to. The nursing homes were very resistant, but the state actually mandated it uh, for many, many weeks. I think now the rule has changed. And meanwhile, uh, there's been a very high rate of deaths in many nursing homes all around New York State. Rahman al it's just so, so, so tragic. And uh, Governor Cuomo, I don't even think that he's been denying this. Cuomo said, quote, We've tried everything to keep it out of a nursing home, but it's virtually impossible. Now is not the best time to put your mother in a nursing home. That is a fact. So in one, in one sense, Cuomo is sort of conceding and admitting because he says it's not the best time to put your mother in a nursing home. And he says it's impossible. But then he says we've tried everything to keep it out of a nursing home. That's a lie because, number one, as I told you, they had the these rules where nursing homes were forced to take in recovering COVID-19 patients, even though for all they knew they were still contagious. And they also, you know, they were short on staff. They had staffers who were recovering from COVID-19 who were working in nursing homes. And I believe they were also moving around uh, different people to different wings in these nursing homes because they simply were understaffed. A state directive forced nursing homes to take on new patients infected with COVID-19. Elaine Mazada is a nurse whose mother passed away last month of suspected COVID-19 in Long Island at a nursing home. She said, quote, the way this has been handled by the state is totally irresponsible, negligent and stupid. They knew better. They should not have sent these people into nursing homes. And Cuomo at a recent briefing, he said that providing masks and gowns to nursing homes is not our job because the nursing homes are privately owned. So State Assemblyman Ron Kim, who's a Democrat, said, quote, it was such an incentive thing to say. If we had focused on that early on, we could have saved a lot of lives. And by the way, they covered it up. Not only did they have these policies in nursing homes, which pretty clearly allowed the, uh, the, 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 the coronavirus to run rampant in many nursing homes and lead to many deaths, but they actually covered it up. And Betsy McAfee, who's former New York lieutenant governor, she's a Republican, and now she heads the nonprofit committee to reduce infection deaths. She said, quote, they should have announced to the public we have a problem and nursing homes are going to help them, but you need to know where it is. Instead, they took the opposite tack. They hid it. Meanwhile, other states have been much more aggressive in preventing COVID-19 from spreading in nursing homes. Maryland, Florida, Tennessee, and Wisconsin 
actually dispatched National Guard teams to nursing homes to do testing, triage, and some health care. And, you know, so basically, you know, this, this is like the absolute worst place. In terms of epicenters, nursing homes, obviously, it goes without saying, is a place where it can spread rapidly and a place, you know, because, you know, there's so many germs that are being spread around because everyone's in such close quarters and the highest risk people. You know, the, 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 these, these are the highest risk um, the, the residents of nursing homes and of rehab centers, they're literally the highest risk age group. And of course, they, you know, if they're in nursing homes, they tend to have very often many medical conditions. So they're, they're literally the most susceptible to, 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 to just being getting severely, severely sick and dying as a result of COVID-19. And yet they were the ones that were totally neglected. And even you had these rules literally putting them in harm's way. And I'm not second, this is not a second guessing deal where it's like, well, you know, mistakes will be made. You can't second guess. This is when Cuomo knew. I'm not talking about waking up and saying, well, how come somebody, how come they didn't know about this earlier? You know, if you didn't know about it earlier either, how can you blame them? Even though you expect the government to know, but it's not about that. This is when Cuomo was being incredibly aggressive already, holding press briefings daily, you know, talking about flattening the curve and doing all sorts of aggressive lockdown measures, extreme measures, except... For the nursing homes. I mean, it's, it's beyond disgraceful. All right, Mark Morgan, the acting head of Border Patrol, he says that the policy of automatic deportation is going to continue indefinitely. He says it's too risky right now for the last few weeks during this lockdown. Anybody who comes across the border, even if they're claiming asylum and they normally would be allowed an asylum hearing and allowed to actually stay in a detention facility to stay in the country, they're just deporting everybody who comes across legally or illegally, you know, obviously who's not a citizen or a resident doesn't belong if they're coming across and, and asking for asylum or whatever. And he says that policy, instant deportation, he says it's too risky. This is going to continue for a long time. Mark Morgan, quote, the U.S. policy of quickly expelling migrants apprehended along the Mexican border may have to stay in place even after coronavirus restrictions ease around the country. Now, immigration activists, they say the policy has deprived some people of the right to seek asylum. The policy is, is supposed to expire on May 20th, but Mark Morgan, Acting Commissioner of Customs and Border Protection, he says that it may need to be extended to protect public health, and he says that the, you know, the virus actually may not have peaked yet in Mexico and Central America. So he says that allowing them, he says allowing these these migrants to come in, they may be carriers of the virus for sure. And for who knows how long, in, in, in many, many weeks or months, because it, it, the, the virus may not have peaked in the areas they're coming from. And what about the danger to Border Patrol detention facilities? What about the danger to agents and, you know, so many others in the United States? So they're saying that it could take a very long time before they resume the uh, rules that they had before the enforcement of asylum. Now, now the advocates, immigration advocates say you're depriving people of their right to seek asylum. I'm sorry, but this is such a no brainer. In general, the whole right to seek asylum is very questionable. They're not American citizens. Obviously, the United States grants people who's asylum who really deserve asylum, you know, who are really being persecuted by their governments. But so many of these people, they claim asylum. They're just literally coached because they know that's how to get into the United States. But really, they were just leaving poverty or leaving a country, you know, where they had very, very 
bad conditions that they were living in, but they weren't in actually any danger and aren't entitled to asylum. So it's always controversial. But putting all that aside, right now they're at the bottom of the totem pole. Look, it's very, very tragic. But the fact is you got to protect your country first. So even if these people technically do have a right to seek asylum when there's not a, a health crisis going on right now, obviously the health crisis, that trumps any sort of potential you know, asylum request because first and foremost, you got to protect the safety of the American people. That's a no-brainer. Um, all right, a new poll shows that the country is furious at China, and believe me, President Trump is going to leverage this. This is an actual. This is this this is a poll that was actually conducted by Republican insider pollsters. David Winston is his name, a, a Republican pollster, and these are internal polls by the Republicans saying that China's favorability among American voters has plunged to fourteen percent. What's wrong with those 14%? And 67% views China unfavorably. They ask people whether they agree or disagree with the following statement. Quote, China misled the world about the seriousness of the coronavirus. 69% agreed. 13% disagreed. Asked if U.S. dependence on China for its supply chain is a serious problem. 76% said yes. 12% said no. And um, this is not across party lines, by the way. This, In other words, this cuts across party lines. This, this David Winston said, he said, Democrats are also clearly dissatisfied with China. So this is going to hurt Joe Biden, who has been a proponent of China. This is going to help President Trump. Nobody has been a more outspoken enemy of, of China for many, many decades. And, of course, the tariffs and all, you know, all the different um, negotiations that have gone on with China to prevent them from stealing technology and, 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 and the trade imbalance and everything else. So believe me, Trump is going to push this message very, very hard in the campaign, and you would expect it to really, really hurt Joe Biden. A caller said that uh, you know Iran made an announcement that uh, their COVID-19 has gotten worse in Iran, and Iran says that they may have reopened their economy too quickly. You can never believe anything Iran says, but that was their claim. A caller said maybe Iran, maybe they want to prevent the United States from reopening our economy, you know, because they don't want the United States economy to recover here too quickly. So maybe they're saying, oh, don't reopen the economy. But who knows? You know, they're not they don't really mean it, but they're just doing it as a kind of a, a, a tactic, a gimmick. So interesting point. Not sure. China, uh, you know, the caller reminds me. And of course, we all know this that many times here. China has tried to infiltrate um, classified areas, classified secret military bases. Ch- Chinese tried to infiltrate multiple times in the last couple of years. Mar-a-Lago and actually tried to get to the president. So the caller said, you know, m- maybe they actually were infected. The people who were infiltrated, maybe they were infected with COVID, and maybe they were trying to actually sneak into Mar-a-Lago and actually infect President Trump or President Trump's staffers or even President Trump's security. Because a lot of those stories are very bizarre. Uh, you know, they would go there taking pictures, and then they'd be sent away, and they would come back and ended up in jail. It's an interesting question. I don't think the time frame quite works out with COVID-19, although who knows? I would think once they're in the country, if they had it that early, you know, then they would have uh, spread it around quicker. It's hard to know for sure. But uh, I, I do believe, though, we've seen many, many instances of China the last couple of years trying to secretly infiltrate you know, secret American bases trying, as I said, to infiltrate Mar-a-Lago, President Trump. It's not a coincidence here. China is waging war, and it makes it even more suspicious about you know, COVID-19 and the origins of COVID-19, which, of course, we've been very on top of more than almost anybody else. And finally, a caller asked me, you know, contact tracing. They're going to have these, basically, they're going to have these huge forces of people who are doing contact tracing, part of the reopening in many states, including New York and New Jersey and and, and elsewhere, is that they're going to basically be tracking people. They're going to use all sorts of technology to track people. I don't know if that means credit card use or easy pass, but they're going to do all sorts of things to track people's movements who may have COVID-19 in order to 
track and make sure that they're not able to spread the virus and to you know determine where the virus may have traveled, etc. And uh, there's basically going to be hundreds or maybe thousands of people in these many states where they're literally tracking our movements. And the caller said to me, you know, are you concerned about that from a civil liberty standpoint, from a privacy standpoint? The answer is, look, I'm certainly concerned. Now, we had a similar question following 9-11 where, you know, there, there was a lot of spying being done on Americans uh, because of the fear of possibly planning of terror attacks by Americans. And there's always this kind of issue. You'll have the extremists on both ends, the, the, the civil liberty extremists like Rand Paul, who say you can never spy on Americans. I don't care what the cost, even if it means allowing you know terrorists to slip through the cracks. Then you have the other extremists on the other end who basically think it's perfectly fine, and they're wrong, but perfectly fine to just spy on anybody at all times. And uh, you know most people, I think, fall somewhere in the middle. This is certainly a concern of mine. Now, am I saying, therefore, we should not do contact tracing? I'm not saying that. But I will say, if this is a concern of yours, just realize the government is able right now to track our every move already. I mean, between credit cards, you know, between all of the electronic transactions that go on at all times, use your credit card anywhere, the government, one way or another, if they want to badly enough, they can track it. I'm sure it's supposed to be kept secret, but I don't really believe that's happening. You have EasyPass, which is run by the government, so they literally can track our movements. EasyPass is used all over the place. You have cell phone triangulation, where anywhere you go with a cell phone, pretty much your cell service is able to figure out where you are at any given moment of the day. So we're already really close to that point, that kind of big brother is watching you uh, synapse scenario, which, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. I'm just not sure what we do about it. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.